0: Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go.
1: My phone buzzed. You know, I had it on off-ring. And and, uh, so we were just walking out, and I looked at it, and there was a message from our athletic director. I call him up, and he just pretty much tells me, you know, we dropped dropped wrestling, we dropped football, and that was it. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness.
0: Ladies and gents, welcome back to the show. It's your host, Ryan Warner. My guest today is Mike Denny. Mike has been a coach for over 51 years and has won seven national titles at the Division II level. On the eve of his seventh title at the University of Nebraska-Omaha almost 10 years ago now, He got a call from the athletic director who said that they were dropping wrestling. It was a massive shock to Coach Denny as well as the wrestling world. After that, he went to lead the Marysville program, which is where he's at now. And folks, you're going to hear from one of the great coaches of all time in this episode. You're going to hear about his coaching philosophy, his mindset for dealing with failure, and ultimately the story at UNO where the program was dropped after they had won their seventh national title. Hope you enjoyed. I know I did. Fan of the week goes to Abner Roman. He's the wrestling coach at Collins Hill Youth Wrestling. Thank you for the support, good sir. Folks, this episode is brought to you by Gable the Goat Part 2, which is a documentary podcast on Dan Gable, covering the years 1987 through 1993. If you want to find it in the feed, it's episode 109. You can also text Dan Gable, one word, to 555-888. That's D-A-N-G-A-B-L-E to 555-888, and I'll text it to your inbox. That's it, folks. Let's give it up for one of the great coaches of all time, Mike Denny. Well, Andre Morgan tells me that you still send uh, text, inspirational text to the guys. Is that true?
1: Yeah, I do that every morning. You know, this is something I've done for probably about 20 years. Uh, That started out, we didn't have cell phones back then, so I would do a, you know, I'd, I'd write down something. I call it Duke's Daily Dose. My handle, my nickname in college was Duke. And so I call it Duke's Daily Dose. So I started way back in probably about, I think it was about 20 years ago, because somebody asked me when did this start, and I dug up. So I would write it down, and then around Christmas time, I would type it up. I should clarify that. My wife would type it up. <laughs> Remember the typing up, and you mimeographed it all Old turn turned the mimeograph thing, and I stapled it together, and I would send it out or hand it out. Then, of course, texting came in, and now I text uh, our wrestlers and coaches uh, every morning, uh, other groups, uh, different people that have asked, you know, for it, and uh, so our family gets it every morning. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's over a couple hundred now. So.
0: Where does it come Uh, to you from? Do you sit down and pray or meditate every morning or does it...
1: Yes. Yes, I do. And, uh, you know, somebody asked me the other day and I said, well, let me me take a picture of my three bookcases through full books that I, you know, I read. And and I think it's just important that, you know, they say two... This is... And I honestly believe this. Two-thirds of the English language, if you look at it, is negative. has a negative concept to it. So we got a... You know, overwhelm that. So we start every practice. That way you say, we call it a celebration, not a, not a practice. Throw hey, me some good. Let's get some good going here. So they got to come up with some good things and uh, just try to start it, that off. Uh. And then I blow the shofar every practice. Now, you wouldn't know what a shofar is, but that's a ram's horn. My uh, biblical hero is David. And I found out my wife and I went to the Holy Land two summers ago and found out, I went to the Dave, supposedly, his website site, and I was really interested in that. And I found out that he blew this ram's horn before every battle that his elite fighting group went into asking for God's blessing. So I blow that before every practice. I've been blowing it every morning, <laughs> this stuff that's going on here. So, uh, so uh, blow the shofar. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty I'm getting pretty good at blowing the shofar on that rampart <laughs>
0: It's pretty cool that you have that though I think there's something to be said for Some type of uh, Either it's something you put on A hat, uh, a piece of clothing or, or some type of ritual That signifies the beginning of battle So to speak So I really like that um, And man, we need it right now more than ever Now, I know you live through Vietnam And I believe your brother he served in Vietnam, is that right? Yeah, he yeah, did. How does this compare to Vietnam in terms of well, the upheaval and the crisis and the fear?
1: Yeah, I, you know, there are probably is similarities to all of the things that we've, we've gone through, but yet each one is different. I think this is something that is kind of worldwide. So, you know, we've got, if you take a look at all the, and actually, you know, China has shared the, DNA of this virus with the United States and other countries. So you, you got it. You've got all the top scientists and, you know, biochemists or whatever working on it. So it's, it's a global kind of thing, which I think can be a positive kind of thing that we're working on it together. What's worked in this country, what's worked in that country. So, you know, I'm trying to look at it from that, that point of view, uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, but it's it's certainly, I like to think of them this way as delightful challenges, but it's getting really delightful. It's <laughs> <laughs> certainly a challenge, and, you know, I use that term all the time just to think, you know, we got to look at it uh, you know, as, a, as a challenge, but working together, a firm believer in team power, you know, that, uh, you know, what? Working together, you know, cooperative effort is always the best way, you know.
0: Now, have you always to, been to, uh, been a, I'm going to use the term sage, just like a John Wooden type character. I mean, have you always been someone who always sees the uh, the positive in every situation? Like when you were uh, back in your 20s, were you this way?
1: Well, gosh, I don't know. You know, uh, you know, grew up single parent uh, mom that just was a, Woman of great faith, you know, never had a high school education. Nobody in her family did, uh, you know. And she just, she kind of held her family together. An alcoholic wasn't around much. Uh, father, and you know, we just, you know, we worked together on stuff and worked hard together, you know. And uh, uh, went to a little one-room country schoolhouse. I had a different teacher every year. None of them had beyond a high school education because to find teachers in those little rural schools. If you had a high school education, and took six weeks of training, you can become a teacher in the New Zealand world. So I was one, them. we had more than eight students. Used to ride a horse to school. Teacher rode a horse to school. No, you <laughs> didn't. Are you serious? Yes. Yeah, serious. Yeah, yes. uh, we and and uh, I always tell everybody. Uh, I I graduated. I don't know if I was uh, top's in my class. Now there was only two in my class, so maybe I was. I don't know if I was valedictorian. I may have been, may have been saludictorian. <laughs> I'm going to claim I was valedictorian. I <laughs> was two in the eighth grade when we graduated from, from that little one room country schoolhouse. But, uh, you know, just farming, ranching, and, you know, work was, we loved work. And I kind of brought that into our, always tell our guys that we love work. You know, it's just a good positive work, you know? So, I think, you know, it goes all the way back to my mom, my brother, and I just, you know, we had to pretty much stay that way, and, uh, you know, and of course she had a very strong faith, and uh, so that, uh, so, you know, sometimes maybe it's only a mustard seed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can't imagine um, there was much money growing up in that type of situation, um, so you you guys started Really had an appreciation for the things you had, I could imagine.
1: Oh yes, you know we milked the cow, milk them by hand. Matter of fact, I still remember, you know, that we milked my hand. So my brother'd get on one side of the cow, I'd get on the other. And this is when we were smaller. My mom could milk one or two cows before him and I would get done with one. That's how it's split. We you know, we sold our milk. Actually we separated you know, you couldn't sell whole milk. You had to separate it into cream. You could only sell the cream, nobody drank skim milk or used skim milk, you know, we mixed it with grain and fed it to things, you know. Wait, what do you uh, mean? Like, but, w- uh,
0: when you say skim milk, is that just the milk that comes out or, you know, I don't, I don't know Well, that.
1: we separated, the, we separated, we had a separator, an old hand-crank uh, separator that separated the, the skim milk from the cream, you know. So if you, let, if you let whole milk set, the cream will rise to the top. So you, skin, you could skim that off, but we had to do it quickly. So you had a separator that separated, and we sold the cream. You could only sell whole cream, not half and half. Whole cream—that's all they would buy.
2: Mm.
1: And we would haul it in. We'd haul it in once a week and sell that in our eggs. Raised all of our own vegetables and stuff, you know, in that little one room or one room, <laughs> one, uh, one, uh, you know, like a, a quarter section farm, you know, that we had. In the, so that's that's kind of how we uh, how we made it. So you know, I, I always tell everybody I'm up I'm up early because somebody's got to melt those cows.
2: Wow! I'm on
1: call. I'm on call. <laughs> if anybody needs their cows milk, I'm on call because my that's just going to coach. Like, we get the and sometimes you send it to us early like four or five in the morning. I go well, I'm on call. You know, maybe somebody needs their cows milked. They have <laughs> no idea what I'm talking about, which makes it more fun.
0: I always wondered this, Coach. How did people in the winter get their uh, get their fresh vegetables back then? There's no gardening. We canned them.
1: Mm. My mom canned them. And canning was huge. Uh, you know, they uh, canned, you know, corn, tomatoes. You know, you, you scrape the corn off of the sweet corn, you know, sweet corn, tomatoes, pickles, uh, you know, all that. Uh, get this. You know, we never, you know, went for, I can remember when we really didn't have electricity, and we got a mom the first phone when we went to college, the first landline phone. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you shoot, you, you you know, you had to make do, uh, you know. So, uh, yeah, we, was then we got electricity, and and that was it was huge.
2: Jeez.
1: <laughs> but uh, you know, so hey, you know you. You may never even really thought anything about it, you know, because really, you know, out in the ranching, farming areas, you know, it wasn't like a lot of people had any, much more than we did, you know, and uh, we got along just fine. Heck, we got along. All <laughs> that uh, oh, back on when those horses got out, this was fun because we got out of class to go chase the horses. Down.
0: <laughs> and just for some context, what year were you born, Coach? Nineteen
1: forty-seven. Uh, just turned, just turned 73, March 20th, first day of spring.
0: Wow. So So really this wasn't, I mean, the fifties though, you would think, I think back to the fifties. I don't think back to what you're describing. It must've been, um, some of those rural parts of the country were still, Mm -hmm. still like that though, you know? Uh,
1: Right. Right. And that was our church, also. Uh, you know, and so we had Sunday school, you know, Sunday, we, you know, we, we, uh, you know, all the farmers, ranchers would come. To our little schoolhouse, and my mom was, I, I, every year she was the secretary. I think she was the only one they trusted with the money. So <laughs> I don't think there was very much of it, but, you know, it was a little donation. And she was our Sunday school teacher for all of the ages. they only had one Sunday school teacher. I remember her, she really prepared for it. And then, of course, she had to do a lesson that the little ones up to, you know, I mean, the bigger ones could, could hook up with so uh yeah she was good at that and then I remember we we didn't always have uh, you know something that there was an old piano in the schoolhouse we didn't know I I remember we had a lady one time that could only play with one hand because she didn't really know how to do it with two hands so she kind of I think we sang the same hymns about every that was all she knew <laughs>
0: <laughs> now did you have any uh, idea that People elsewhere were living a different way, or did you ever think, "Man, I wish things were different"? Or that was all you knew at that time.
1: Yeah, it's kind of all new. Was, you know. Yeah. Shoot, I, you know, going to high school, uh, I have to tell you a story. So, there was a, uh, uh, and his name was Max. He he was a grade ahead of me, and he went to Royal High School. Uh, it was called Royal High School. There's 40 people in the town, but they had a high school then. And a lot of, the, you know, a lot of, it was kind of, you know, there was a lot more people that lived there. So, but he begged me and begged me when I was, you know, would graduate from the eighth grade to come to Royal High School. Because at that time he was there, there was only four boys. And if I came, there would be five boys and they could have a basketball team. Mm.
2: Because
1: you could start the game with five, but you had to have five. So he begged me, begged me. and I wanted to wrestle. I wanted to wrestle and play football because I had some cousins and some farm kids, range kids that were talking about it. And I can remember we would wrestle around a lot. And once they'd been in one or two years of high school, they could, I could do okay with them when you know they were still in grade school. And then they'd be whipping me, and I'd go, dang, I want to learn how to do this. And I never went to Royal, and he hasn't spoke to me since. <laughs> <laughs> they dropped the basketball team. He didn't wow. get to play. But I went to Neely High School and had a really good coach who never wrestled. Roger Berry's in the Basket Wrestling Hall of Fame. He got it started. I remember him bringing uh, a book to practice, opening it up and looking at pictures and saying, okay, let's work on this today. And that's where he built a successful, really successful high school program. Matter of fact, I still, you know, I've adopted some of that, you know, just the way he handled things and. And I remember we, we practiced in the roller rink. We hauled our mat down. We were the first one to get a Resolite mat out of Omaha and Lincoln. First, we, we picked up corn in the cornfields. Um, you know, when they ran pickers the corn they didn't get all the corn. Mm-hmm. So we would go through with a wagon and get our whole team out there and pick up the corn, and the farmer would give us some money for it, and that's how he bought this Resolite mat. And I remember the first day it was delivered to Nia High School, the school got out. To see it. it was, uh, to see it. <clears throat> because wrestling was big. I mean, we, we did well. Uh, I guess one of the reasons we did well, though, is that he would go to other towns and take some of us along, and they'd help him start a program. Mm. And then we'd wrestle him the next year and beat the cricket. <laughs> 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 But so when he brought the mat, we rolled it out and everybody was ooing an eye. And back then resolite had this advertisement that you could drop an egg from ten feet. I'm not sure it was ten feet, but and it wouldn't break. So we had this balcony in our gym. He sent somebody up there with an egg and dropped the egg on this resolite mat and it didn't break, and the school went crazy. <laughs> that's
0: impressive there because i would think an egg would break on a wrestling
1: mat from that far away. i would think so too but maybe he had a hard-boiled egg we always ah. you know, we always laughed about that he might have had a hard-boiled egg but we never really did see the egg after it oh,
2: wow. but he made
1: his point and we had a rizzline mat that we hauled to the roller because we didn't have a place to wrestle they didn't have a wrestling room. You know, there was the gym, but they had that for basketball. So we went to the roller rink, which actually worked out pretty well because we could run around the outside. We only had one mat, so we would have, you know, group running or doing some, you know, and then one group would wrestle. So it really worked well. Then we'd load it back up on the bus and take it back to school and unload it. Oh, my God. Our senior year, get this. Uh, no, see. Yes, I think it was our senior year Larry Snyder was our coach. Larry had wrestled in college. Larry still is, you know, I connect with him all, you know, he, uh, he wrestled at Concordia, I think, there in Nebraska. He, and, he, and he really worked with me a lot. He was a heavyweight. We carried our mat to a church that was about a half a block from the school every day on our shoulders, pushed the fuse back, rolled the mat out, and practiced. He would sometimes get up in the pulpit and coach just as kind of you know, and we laugh a little about it. We had a great year that year, Ryan. We had a really good year. The <laughs> so nice. rest we did, and we rolled it back up, carried it back up, and that's where you know when we call we call it team power now. But so it you know really to carry that on your shoulders, you need the whole team. It was a one piece mat, oh so my we carried it.
2: Gosh.
1: We carried it. And, of course, it wasn't as big as, you know, the mats now, but, uh, you know, it was smaller mat, but anyway, we carried that thing. I mean,
0: you... Up and back. So that's a time when, you know, my dad is about your age, and he always tells me, he's like, you know, the 60s were a really interesting time because, <clears throat> excuse me, up until like 65, 66, it was a completely different world than it was 67, 68, 69. And, and, but what by that I mean people wore suits when they went, out in public. Um, you know, it was just a really different time. And then you have the summer of 67, you have Vietnam, JFK is murdered and like everything really starts to change in the sixties. And so I'm always really envious of people who got to live through that. Uh, And you did obviously, and you did it right in the heartland of America. I mean, I can't even imagine how different a wrestling practice must've been then but then again, maybe you say it's actually pretty similar. I mean, how has it changed just the structure of a practice back in the 60s to how it is now?
1: Well, honestly, man, I don't remember. I mean, you still, you know, all the the, the strength and conditioning was always all body weight. It's really interesting how we have circled back. I don't know if you remember we went to the Nautilus machine and mm-hmm. then... Then you know you know all the machines, and then the know I don't know if you remember the old universal machine where you it was kind of you went around this thing and had all the different exercises on it. Pretty much a lot of them bought it and put it in their you know corner of the gym or a corner of kind of where you worked out, you know where it had you know five or six different exercises you could do on it, you know. Uh, but now we've circled back to a lot of body weight stuff that we did back then you know, we ran stairs and we ran hills and we, you know, uh, and we've circled back to a lot of that, you know, ups, sit-ups, um, you know, and I think we've, we've, we have kept full circle on a lot of that stuff, but you know, just the,
2: the anaerobic
1: training, aerobic combination of anaerobic and, uh, aerobic training. And of course, you know, running was, you know, doing a lot of running was big then, you know, and, uh, Probably not the distance that we did that then as so you know now, but um, yeah, sure. You, you know we did a lot of the same stuff. I can remember we made our first set of weights. We got some bars. I think you know some of us farm ranchers brought the you know bars in. We stuck them in a pail, filled it up with concrete, got it set up, and turned it over. to the other side. So we that was a lot of our weights. That was the first. You know you what? Know, another thing we did a lot of was rope climbing. About every gym we went to had a rope that was to the top of the ceiling. You know they've taken those out because that was a long way up <laughs> uh, back then, and then you know it was a little dangerous. I'm sure some people fell off with that thing. But you know, and of course, in the gym classes they climb ropes all the all the time. But you know that was real popular for grips. So uh, that was really that was you know we tried to really we'd come back to the gym and climb that rope. Uh, you know, I think we had to do it once before and once after, you know, and but you learned how to use your legs a lot, yeah <laughs> sounds to go up to the legs back then, and especially some of the lighter weight
0: so a lot of a lot of similarities, and I think to your point, yeah. body weight is coming back, and you know. It's funny. My first recollection of ever going to the community center is what we called it. I grew up in a small town in Western Illinois, but it did have that Nautilus machine in the middle, and it was kind of kind of awkward, right? It, it, every uh, exercise imaginable was on this one machine, and it was kind of like you would move around clockwise and hit a different exercise. Um, yeah. But then they yeah. took that out, so I never really thought about yeah. it like that. And you know, from what I read, you had aspirations of going going on and playing in the NFL from, uh, from high school on and ended up playing for the Omaha Mustangs. Was that a semi-pro team back then?
1: Yes. Yeah. We, we, uh, you know, really, you know, wanted to, you know, wanted to play in the NFL, you know, probably my last couple of years of college, uh, you know, had that aspiration. But I never really got drafted. I had a couple of free agent tryouts and I had a you know, our, uh, our college football coach Sam Sample at the time was—he had played uh, for a Lincoln semi-pro team, and the you know, Omaha Musting Omaha was starting this new team. Actually, it wasn't a new team. They already had a kind of a semi-professional team, but they—it they, was a new league starting called the Continental Football League, and it was kind of a forerunner of what we have now. You know, the USFL and, and what's this new one now, the uh, XFL. Uh, XFL, really similar to that. So he got me hooked up and they sent a guy up and and scouted me, watched some of my film, the Mustangs and they signed me to a contract. And of course that was back, my brother was in Vietnam. And, you know, that was when you drew a number, you know, you were drafted off your number. So uh, my senior year, I I had to pen side, I would get my appendix out but I know my number came up, I got uh I had to go in for my physical and I thought, Well, I'm I'm going you know, I'm going in and G then every pretty much everyone went to Vietnam. And my brother was saying he was telling me, he said, No, brother, <laughs> it's getting rough over here because that was when everybody was protesting it and and you know, didn't know why we were over there and it was and He said, It's it's getting tough over here so I went for the physical and on the last day they had us all standing there naked and he was just walking down the line of the doctor and he looked at the surgery and he said, when would you have that? I said, yeah, I don't know, a week ago. He said, get out of here. Come back in a month or so or whatever he said. And, "You know, They didn't want to take me in there when I just had a surgery. So then the M-O Mustangs, uh, they uh Jack Payne <laughs> was player personnel. He got, my wife and I, we got married that summer interviews with the other public schools and and public schools, Gretna public schools down in, in that area there. And we, and we got offered a job, Well, back then teachers got deferred. So they, the Mustangs, we practiced in the evenings under the lights and traveled on the weekends and flew to our games. And we flew to Orlando, Florida, North Fort Virginia, Little Rock, Arkansas, Texarkana, Texas, San Antonio, Las Vegas, Played our games, but we practiced and you know played on the weekends, so guys could have jobs and we got paid. You know during you know during the season you could maybe make it kind of, but you know once they couldn't pay, you know off season. So I did that for seven years.
2: Wow. I actually played
1: longer than any player ever played for the Elmo thing. and it folded in 1976. It folded. The team folded, similar to what. You know, a lot of teams, a lot of leagues have done, um, you know, we weren't always the the continental, but I mean, we had full-time coaches. I mean, we went, I mean, we flew to games. I mean, they really, and then of course it kind of tailed back uh, and we, you know, we traveled on buses then sometimes, but I loved it. I loved playing. I was actually a player coach for two years, but I, you know, where I was doing the practices and then deciding who was starting you know, I was an offensive lineman. And, I, you know, I was all in charge of the offensive defensive line, you know. And I don't know. I had I this, you know, watching film and the thing. It was, you know, and I said, I don't want to do this anymore. They had a – they got a, a – Jerry Wilkes became – he was a great player and played professionally for a while at Nebraska, became our line coach. And that's when we really kind of took off as a team. Boy our last couple of years, we really had – we actually ranked number one in uh, semi-pro football the Mustangs were in those years. And it was a great time playing with a bunch of great guys that loved to play. How and, did you have uh, any
0: any time for?
1: Uh, oh for, my God! For
0: the rest huh? of your things, because from what I understand, you'd work out in the morning. What time would you get up in the morning back then, if you can remember? I was still early
1: because I had to get to school in time to work out before I started teaching. So you uh, so you worked
0: it, out, you taught math, you coached yeah. a high school team, and then you did practice, yeah. and then you're gone on the weekends. Went out
1: to Yep. Oh my gosh, don't tell my wife. Was I don't it? know why she hit up at me and why I did that. But of course, you know, it was seasonal. Yeah. You know, it was during, it was seasonal. And, uh, you know, so, but then I started coaching wrestling, or was coaching wrestling, and that went longer. Uh, and then I got into judo. You know, I, lo- I missed the wrestling, the one on one. So when it came to all my, I have no mean, idea what judo was. I can't remember I guess, what, how I even got. Connected, I went to this dojo called the Dojo's. Got mm-hmm. hooked up with D Lo Lee. He's Joe's, he You I mean, this guy's. He had a really good club. I thought, dang, I think I'd like this. And, you know, it's wrestling with a gi on. And, you know, of course, the judo and jiu jitsu got, you know, what, the jiu jitsu. Right. So now, right. but it's gotten really popular with mixed martial arts. But started doing that. And then in the off season, then I could train with that and compete. And really, wrestling, a I wrestled, I wouldn't you know, it made me a football player. It helped me so much in football, especially in the offensive defense line. Uh, you know, I remember watching Iowa uh, play this year, and one of the things they said was the whole offensive line was former wrestlers, former heavyweight wrestlers. And they had a good offensive line.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: No, um, I, they, I saw that this year as well. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um
1: so it really helped me with that and, and getting a chance to still train and you know I'd compete in tournaments and stuff I really did that till i was I was about forty uh just loved kind of competing in it and working with it so yeah and I got her you know I got her sons involved in it they they all have ranks you know and in judo and got them going to the club that i went to and we've done a lot of that kind of together i actually had her daughter in it for a while she wasn't crazy about it she could have been the wrestler though she could have been the wrestler and she you know they all got into soccer of course our sons you know played three sports they were football players and and actually i shouldn't say this they played basketball
0: oh man
1: (laughs) i know but they were they, they did. And they, I, they asked me, they both said, dad, do you care if we play? I think they saw so much of wrestling. Cause I had a, you know, when I get, how did I get to see them? They all came, you know, they were tapping, you know, the referees and working, you know, and setting up mats and, and we just all did it together. My wife worked the gate. We gave her, <laughs> we put her in the Kaufman brand Bailey hall of fame, uh, a number of years ago, but uh, cause she had worked every turn. <laughs> wow! <laughs> she got to, she didn't get to see many matches because she was always outside working and working in the concession stand. Oh my gosh! Bless her heart.
0: I heard <laughs> that your uh, wife used to go on uh, recruiting trips with you
1: as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> I really enjoyed taking her along. You know, all three of our you know our, our son oldest son Rocky and our middle son Mickey and Luke they all got recruited. So I sat at the table when those coaches would come in and I just, that was a different place for me. So I think I learned a lot from that. And also, you know, I, and I tell, I still tell recruits this and I'll even when I used to take her on home visits is I said, what's, what's the most important thing. And she would always tell the parents or single parent or whatever it was, uh, most important thing is go to a place that cares about you, so that was that's just held true with me is it's one of my C's of my coaching philosophy um, you know celebrate the time with them uh, communicate with them demonstrate you care, demonstrate you committed and demonstrate that I'm also still coachable. so those are my kind of my five C's and one of those is demonstrate you care so I think that is the most important, you know. And I never, and I tell parents this: I don't want to ever sit down with your son or and with your son now because I, I remember coaching my daughter's league soccer team. Uh, and one of the things she did tell me that really hit home: she said, "Dad, I like my dad when you coach." And I go, "You know what? That was a wake-up call for me." That was she was smaller then, and. You know, and I, uh, that was really kind of a wake up call, but you know, as a, I want to demonstrate, I care. And when I'm talking to them, I, I see it from a parent's point of view. And of course I can really, I can approach it a little differently. Now I can almost, I can approach it more from a father figure point of view. Uh, you know, maybe I guess the, the younger coach could so much, but, um, uh, you know, as far as I think that's most important. And, uh,
0: something we're going to strive to do and you you hit on something i wanted to move into is your coaching philosophy because you are one of the all-time winningest college coaches if not the all-time winningest college coach um i'm not i'm not sure on the stats and it doesn't matter but you know when you were at the other school as we'll refer to it as we, ha- ah, ah, we have to spend some time there <laughs> we have to spend some time there just because of the events that unfolded um you were the head coach at University of nebraska Omaha for twenty was it thirty twenty nine years thirty 32 year? years thirty two years 32. um yeah. and we're gonna talk about what happened there but you know you developed really a a dynasty that I don't think people really understand unless you're in the division two ranks and under- and, and really get what's going on there but and I know you don't like to talk about your stats, Coach, but hit us with um, how many national titles you won and how many top eight finishes you had during your, your tenure there.
1: Well, we, let's see. I I have to tell you, the reason I remember this is my sister coach put this together. He was showing me this the other day, and, and we, we were able to win, you know, uh, seven, you know, uh, individual, you know, the individual national champ. I think there was also seven dual meet championships, but uh, I think I mean, one of the things we're most proud of is just the, the consistency, you know, we try, and I think that's one of the toughest things to do. And, and, uh, you know, in athletics and I, you know, I think we really, they're in the top four of the national duels since, you know, and of course they didn't, or the, the top four of the, of the national tournament itself, I think 42 times, but so, you know, I think that's the thing I tell And in, in, in Here's what I, the mission is to help teach and build. And when you're within that, if you can, that's, that's the priority within that. If you can, you know, in the process of developing, I mean, if you can have some success, you want them to have some things on their resume. You can, you know, get some things on their resume. For example, you know, the team gets what we call the platform, you know, as a top four team, whether it's in the national duels or, the or the, you know, the, the, the uh, national tournament at the end of the year, you know, that's, that's, a, that's something on their resume as a team. Uh, you know, so I think, uh, you know, within that, you know, helping teach and build, and then I just help, I, I just help, uh, you know, you've got to get a, a, a culture that's, that buys into that, you know, just that you, that's the, that's the, that's the mission, you know, to, to help teach and build. And, and well, Tell you a great definition of this, and we have each one of our we have a banner of each one of our guys in our dojo, and on each one of the banners we have them come up with a word for the year, and sometimes they change it—a word that kind of resonates with them. They want it to resonate through the year. Mine has always been for a number of years just coach, and but I want to give you my definition. Okay, coach is a covered carriage that takes an important person from where they are to where they want to go. A coach is a covered carriage. that takes an important person from where they are to where they want to go. So think in terms of a covered carriage is your program or your dojo, your wrestling room. That's a covered carriage. It takes an important person. You invite that person into your carriage. And while they're in that carriage, you're helping teach and build and helping them get to a place that you know, that they would want to go and that you would, Guide them too, so to speak. So I love that definition, and I try to think of that, you know, and we're do in our in our program, um, and you know, we have nine pillars with that. But uh, so,
0: what are your nine pillars? Uh,
1: well, you know, uh, the middle the middle pillar is family, team power, and I think everything kind of resonates, you know, from that, from. You, you know, we're recognizing and promoting. Recognize and promote your program. I think you have to do that. And, and your athletes. That's why in our dojo, we have, a, we have a banner of every one of our wrestlers. Every one of them is up, hanging up. We're in the banners. There are all kinds of banners up. And we spotlight them when we have meetings in there. And, and we actually allow our faculty meeting in there every year. There's about 160, 100 faculty. And there they really think I'm being a nice guy. But when they come in, we've got all these banners lit up with spotlights with all of our guys' pictures on, and then we have whether they made the dean's list, they're an all-American, they're a scholar all-American. We have their words on it, and they're always at. And I'm like the Walmart greeter. I'm out <laughs> front. The, I'm, the, I'm the Walmart greeter. You know, I, I think you know what? Here in a few years, you know, I, I think I got might have a calling there. So anyway. <laughs> uh, you know I'm greeting them and and you know I'm just think we're being really gosh they let us you know we put carpet down we set up tables for them let them use our screen for their presentations but here's all these banners with all their accomplishments and all their banners up with all these things spotlight <laughs> and will I see him pointing I've got him in the class she does a great job for me you know that kind of thing so that's a pillar recognize promote and market your program along with team power another one huge for me is clean engine power i'm big on this you know uh our father was an alcoholic i saw what that did to him so if i can keep them clean and one of the things we do is they do a handwritten contract uh for us and sign it and date it every year of 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 staying clean you know staying free of alcohol and other drugs i want to tell you this last two years, and I always tell this team they're special, they're special. The last two years, I haven't smelled alcohol or marijuana on one of our guys in the last two years at a practice or any other time, I and mean, I'm around them all the time. That's the first time in my 51 years I haven't, and, and high school was the worst. Hmm. I mean, that was a battle in high school, you know, just to kind of keep you that And the importance of having a clean engine, uh, and also, you know, that goes into nutrition, too, but Uh, you know, our, my thing is just, if I can keep them just alert and aware and on guard of how, uh, detrimental this can be to them, you know, the, the use of alcohol and other drugs, I've just seen it and it's whipped me many times, you know, as far as our athletes are concerned, you know, just getting hung up in that stuff. And, and I just, did you ever have any bouts with it
0: in your younger days?
1: No, not so much. I, you know, I've had the, I had that. I had reasons not to be, because I saw all the, you know, the the abuse from it. Uh, you know, just the, you know, the how it changed a person, just how it changed them. I've always said, you know, I, well, later years, I before I really grasped all this. He, my, our father did not want to be that way. He didn't want to be that way. Nobody would want to be, you know, what he. I mean, you know, you, but that's what it did to him. And so that's kind of my motivation, you know, and, uh, you know, we have, and we have our, well, anytime we have alumni around close, I, I don't get as many of them as I used to down here in Missouri, you know, it's down in Missouri, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> <Missouri>.
1: <laughs> so, but whenever they come in, I, I have a visit with our team and share wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And a lot of them will talk about how important that was uh, for them. And, you know, I, I'll tell you what I did. I would used to invite our athletes up there uh, in the fall when they came in. I wouldn't tell them when. But I invited them down, to, and we hair tested them. We hair tested every athlete. And the hair can tell you what they've taken in their body for the last 90 days. mm so they knew that was going to happen and it seemed like the tougher we got on it, the better we got. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and our guys were proud of it and you got to get your culture to buy into it. You know, if your culture doesn't buy in, it's going to whip you, you know, it'll, it'll rip I mean, it, it'll just, you know, as a coach, it'll, it'll defeat you. It just creeps in. It's powerful. You know, I mean, it's, uh, um, it, it, uh, it's cunning, deceiving, and powerful. So you know, you can see why I'm into it. But that's one of our, one of our d- d- pillars. You know, and then to to develop them, you know, just their leadership. You know, we do uh, strength finders. I don't know if you are or, or Clifton Strengths. You know, we I always use this. You know, the, the book, The Art of War. It's, I don't know how many pages, but it's a hard read, but it basically comes down to, if you want to win the war, Sun Tzu wrote this, you know, 2,400 years ago or 2,300 years ago. Know yourself, know the enemy, know the terrain, get numbers on your side. So if you really, you can really use that in just about anything. First of all, you've got to know yourself. So we really try to, you know, help them understand, you know, their person, their own personality, what kind of makes them tick. And you can do this with these personality profiles, and we we really get in depth with it, and then we get know each other, you know. So you know, uh, kind of what's making that other guy, you, you know, what, what what's he all about, you know, and get to know each other and kind of you know see it through their eyes a little bit, uh, and you know you, know, you got to know yourself, you got to know the enemy, and the enemy doesn't necessarily. You know, it can be all, and it could be your professor. You got to know your professor. What's, what's that <laughs> professor want, you know, and know the terrain. You got to know your opponent. You got to know the train. We got to know division two wrestling. We got to know, you know, we have to, and then we've got to get numbers on our side. We've got to get a culture of team power that's, you know, that's buying into the same things, you know, so. Uh, and we actually put their top five strengths on each one of their lockers. So when we walk in there and when we're doing a wash, we do our own wash, we do our own, and we do all that stuff ourselves. And then uh, so when we hang it up on their locker, we can kind of see, and they can see ours. Ours are on there, too. So they, kind of, they know I'm a maximizer. That's one of my, I have to maximize. And so they'll just, sometimes they'll make jokes about it. And they say, well, coaches are all kind of brought that? up. We're, we're not maximizing. So let's go to work. We've got to maximize <laughs> He's not going to be happy.
0: What does that mean? <laughs> does that mean, like, you're all in on something? Or what does that mean Well, you? yeah,
1: and you, you've got to get your, your, for example, to give you a classic example right now, our university is locked down, mm-hmm. right? We can't even get into our dojo. So are we going to put it on pause? No. No. We're going to Zoom our guys for team meetings. You know what Zoom is? Of course. A, yeah, of course. The connection. Okay, yeah. we're Zooming our guys. I'm having guest yeah, speakers coming in. Matter of fact, Wednesday, Dr. Jack Stark, a good friend of mine, sports psychologist, one of the best in the you know, he's written I don't know seven books, and we're going to have him visit with our team. Them asking questions. We're going through, you know. Uh, and the thing is, adversity reveals character. We have a big character banner in our dojo, and you know, I, you know, you have to display adversity under character or a uh, character under adversity. So, I'm going to have him visit with the team on uh, Friday. We've got uh, our vice president uh, Jeff Miller, who's administrator and done so much work with us on their strengths is how they're reacting to this would probably depend on their personality. She's so going to talk about that. And so we can kind of identify why are some of us reacting the way we're reacting, you know? Uh, so, you know, we're, okay, we're, we're going to have to put it on pause. <laughs> we're going to survive, right? But we're going to prosper. We have to, we can't, we can't be putting it on pause. Is you know, it normal for you to
0: have team meetings outside of the uh the traditional wrestling season?
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. So yeah, it's... we do, you know, we do. So it's nothing really Oh, okay. but we can't even get together now. We I mean we can't physically be together. So we've right. got to do it on Zoom. But I didn't know what Zoom was a lot of week ago. <laughs> <laughs> how are we gonna how are we gonna do this? And my assistant says, you know, the professor we have that helps us uh, you know, with uh, Dr. Keener, Dr. Keenery's He's a you know professor that really has kind of adopted us. So, you know, we do zoom that's how we're that's how Maryville's still going on right now all their classes are online through zoom so we're you know we said so, say okay let's let's zoom them it's <laughs> and, an amazing technology it, isn't it yeah you know so we can actually do that let's not put it on pause let's let's grow from it you know and uh, and again it comes back to one of my Cs is communicate 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 okay, so let's find a way to communicate, you know, and, and of course, then we're doing virtual tours of our dojo to recruits. Wow. And then we're doing, we're, we're, we're giving them links to virtual tours to the, to the campus. So we can't, you know, no pause. <laughs> I guess you pause until you figure out how you're going to prosper. What, this, are, what are some know? of
0: your other uh, strengths that are written on your locker coach?
1: Oh, my strengths? Yeah. Okay, so I, I had a little saying that helps me with be my partner in relating and responsibility. So B stands for belief. I, I you know, I've got to keep, you know, I gotta believe, you know, and mm-hmm. something much bigger than myself. Be my, my stands for maximizer. I realize that you know I'm gonna constantly be uh, you know, working to maximize our situation. That's just kind of who I am and, you know, uh, be my partner uh, in relating and, and uh, 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 be my partner. A partner is positivity. <laughs> One of my strengths is positivity.
0: Definitely.
2: <laughs> <laughs> in
1: relating, I have to relate. I love recruiting. One of the things about recruiting, I want to relate to, I have to relate. And I have to get them relating to us. You know, this is this is a fit for you, you know. And then I have a tr- I feel a tremendous responsibility to each one of those guys, to each one of our coaches, to Maryville. So, I, I mean, I have to realize that about, okay, so those are my top five strengths. Uh, and, you know, the thing is sometimes, though, you can get so – you have to dial it down a little bit because you're – you can get yourself out of balance. And I'd have to say, early in my career, you know, with all the stuff I was doing, you know, I'm just so fortunate that I had a wife. I remember one time Dr. Stark had her and I talked to a bunch of CEOs that he was working with who were gone a lot or, you know, kind of on a mission, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so I gave my little pitch and then she got up and it was so smart of him to have the spouse talk to these. Uh, and they were men and women that were in the crowd, you know, because some of them were, you know, kind of career women. That And she said, you know, I realized early in our marriage that if I didn't join him on the journey, I was going to lose him. And that just about dropped me to my knees. You know, us men, we're a sorry lot most of the time. <laughs> and the thing is, you just you don't realize... You get on this mission. Where's the balance? Uh, you know, so that has been, you know, and I know uh, I told one of our wrestlers the other day, I have individual meetings with all of our wrestlers after every competition we sit down and talk. You know, the communication. Every competition lot even. Every competition I sit down with every wrestler. Wow. And spend time talking to them. And I, you know what? I spend time listening. Mm-hmm. I try not to talk very much.
0: I got to tell you, though. I got to tell you about the thing you just mentioned about your wife is it really resonates with me because I'm someone who's fanatic about things. Uh, certainly this podcast and, and many things in life, but um, it, sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the balance so that it's something that's going to stick it. with me for, for quite some time is, is what your wife said there. Um, but I mean, because I really do believe that if you don't have everything right at the home, anything outside the home that, that's successful really doesn't matter. And I know I'm, I'm not the first person to say that, but someone said that to me in January uh, during one of these interviews, and it really stuck with me. And I'm like, man, that is that is exactly right. But sometimes it's hard to hard to remember that.
1: Oh, I can tell you. I was sitting out one of my wrestlers the other day, and I said, I said, I had to talk to you. He's had neck surgery and stuff. And he's, and he's just, it's been a tough year for him. I said, you know, I have visited more with you And I have this last year with all of our kids and grandkids put together. Mm. Now that's...
0: That's saying something. We
1: have seven seven grandkids. One of them's a freshman in college. You know, he's playing soccer at Baker University. And all other ones are involved in sports and doing, you know, different kinds of things. All three of our kids are coaching, you know. They're all coaching in some manner, either club or you know, our, our, our you know our daughter was a head soccer coach at the University of Minnesota for eleven years. You know, and she but she actually resigned from there because only one day she called and said, "Dad, somebody else is raising my boys." She was gone so much in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. You know, and let me tell you, it's different for a woman, isn't it? A little different for a woman. Yeah. You know, it just is different. You know, not that it should be, and you know, we just kind of overlook that. But you know that's that's been that that's been the tough part finding that balance, and you know I think they all understood it, but uh, you know that's been the tough part. It's even the tough part now. You know, going on fifty-two years here, hey, you know, their grandkids are years. growing up. Yeah, starting fifty-two years of coaching this next year. So,
2: <laughs> you think wow. I know what
1: to do about that, Ryan? I still mess it up. What's the deal? I'm still messing. up.
0: It's like, man, There's, yeah. it's just, I don't know. There's people, uh, you know, people who, like you and I, who are all in on something. I think it's a beautiful thing. Um, but, you know, my my father struggles with alcoholism, so you can go the wrong way there. Um, I've yeah. had my bouts with, with things like that in the past. And um, it's like if you don't have an outlet for that energy, it can go in the wrong places. But, you know, even if it's a good outlet, like coaching or like podcasting, there still needs to be a balance, and man, if it isn't one of the incredible <laughs> struggles uh or constant uh kind of wrestling matches of life that goes on, it's just like i mean even your 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 wife um you know to to leave Nebraska after all those years and go with you to to missouri i mean that's that's just a big testament to her, and you know just a good reminder to hear you say that.
1: Yes, yeah, so, you know, and it kind of, you know, one of the things, other things, we have our guys do is come up with a brand of what would you? And actually, six of them have tattooed their brand, and one father has tattooed his son brand, his son's brand. Wow. And, uh, and so, anyway, we told them. So my brand, this is huge, like. And that, how we came up with this is we branded our cattle.
2: yep, okay? Yep.
1: And it was a D with a three. Uh, you know. You can visualize a D, then the three is backward on the D. And they don't—they don't brand cattle anymore. Hardly anybody does. They put a chip in them and they check them with a drone. They don't ride a horse. <laughs> 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 but that's just—but you know, it's like you know, if we could get our wrestlers to come up because the brand you put on that went back generations. You know, that meant something. You defend that. You so you know, this has grown through the years, and we have an eight-foot by eight-foot banner and. And we did in our other dojo too, uh, of all the brands for every year. So this is we have nine brand banners up. Well, my brand, I adopted this and I wanted to be the star of David because because David is my biblical hero and he was the only one in the Bible that says after God's heart, being after God's heart. But the Star of David was six points. I don't know if you remember when Hitler made the Jewish people wear the Star of David. Yeah. I wanna well. I used, I didn't, I used only five points because I had five C's. So I took out a star, David does not mind, but I'm not Jewish. Gotcha. So I, have a, I have a five star, that's my brand. And in the middle of it is the, the, our brand, our, you know, we branded our cattle with, and then the five C's are on each point. And then the five S's of the five things we have to guard against. Self, silver, money substance abuse, sloth, laziness, and sex. Mm-hmm. So I have the five S's, the five C's, the D with the three in it, and then I have the Black Panther in it. Now, you can, our guys have taken this, and they do a, this has grown to a point where our guys in our Yearbook we do every year, we have a picture of them with their home up there, you know, with a description. We make it, it's it's big with our team, big team thing. So, but, uh, you know, we, I have the Black Panther because I got the opportunity, I'm a judo, jiu jitsu guy, you know, for
2: 15 mm-hmm. years.
1: So the Japanese, you know, we call our, you know, our wrestling rooms a dojo.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Our battle cries, ooh, all that's Japanese, country from the Japanese. Uh, and I really wanted to go to the Olympics this year and go over there and watch the judo and wrestling and go to a dojo and be able to work out. It doesn't look like that's going to happen.
0: No, it Does doesn't. Happen. As of today, as So anyway,
1: yeah. Going, yeah, going back to, uh, you know, the, uh, the dojo and what, uh, what it is, but the Black Panther was given to me by the descendant of a samurai a number of generations ago.
0: Wow.
1: He was a descendant and my wife was the one that hooked up to, to him. They just, I, I married one of our wrestlers. I married a couple of wrestlers now. So I married one of our wrestlers and at that get together, those two, my wife has had a near death experience. This guy had seven near death experiences. They just connected. They just went to each other, started talking. We had breakfast with them. And during the breakfast, I found all this about him. that he's the descendant of a samurai, shogun and uh, he's you know just all that background and then he just sh- threw it right out. To me. He says, Coach, you need to adopt in your philosophy the Black Panther. I go, what are you talking? And I knew right away, I need to put it on my brand. And he told me the Black Panther is a symbol of loyalty mm. in the Japanese culture, is to be loyal because the Black Panther is the only cat where the, the father and the mother will defend the cubs and defend each other. The, even a house cat, the male will eat the you know, kill the the kids. Yep. I don't know if you knew that. And the lion does the same thing. The Definitely. Has to protect it. The Black Panther, if you harm one of theirs, the rest of them will hunt you down. So loyalty. He said you need to have that I said, okay. That fits. So it's on my my brand. So anyway, I'm gonna tell you about my brand. So
0: wow. It.
1: So you know, my the,
0: uh my ADD has, has gotten the best of us here, but I want to go back to your pillars for the program. We hit on a couple. Okay. I feel like we have a couple to go. Okay. Um, okay. Trying to think to where we left off. I believe that what was
1: academics? Yep. Academics is, is huge with us. Uh, our team has won the academic national championship for the last two years. Last year, we set the all time record. We had the highest GPA ever recorded in Division II wrestling since they've been doing this. We had a 3.56. This year we're going to have a three point six five. If some team beats us, <laughs> good for them. Right, right. At three point six five. That's incredible. For our GQ. So academics is is huge with us. You know the the uh, not only the leadership development but the athletic development, right? I mean we've got to we've got to develop them, you know, athletically. You know, I mean, with wrestling, we've got to, uh, you know. Uh, and then the prevention and care of athletic injuries. We've got to have a trainer that connects, that, you know, gets your guys. Back. And, you know, your wrestlers got to connect with them. Uh, you know, so I think that's really, you know, really important. I, I think most people underestimate the value because when somebody is injured, it's like they got leprosy. You know, mm-hmm. nobody talks to them. And your trainer can be such a huge positive force there. If they're bought into your program, you know, our trainer goes to retreats with us and he has his own brand and, you know, he is bought in. So he he can be a positive force for somebody that really needs it. You know, maybe more so than some of the other guys. You know, so he's as much well. of your
0: team as, as some of the coaches, oh, yeah. I'd say.
1: Oh, yes, definitely. I think that's underestimated a lot of times. Uh, I think they, uh, you know, that that park is uh, uh, truly, you know, under, underestimated. So um, I don't know if I've given you all nine yet, but I've given you.
0: Well, the a lot. the one thing that stood out to me was that we're an hour in, and I know we have to wrap up here soon. At least I do. But one, we got to have you back on because we we there's just so much more to cover. But two, we haven't talked really at all about wrestling, and that that's more than okay with me. Um, because one, it just speaks to how you run your program in the sense of, I mean, you're an incredibly successful coach in, but as you're telling me all these things, I'm thinking, man, if you had a team that actually buys into all this and really believes it and, you know, really buys into you, like the wrestling's is going to take care of itself because these guys are going to be so well connected, uh, so sound mentally that the, um, that the wrestling stuff should take care of itself. And, and I'm telling you, if you haven't read this book by John Wooden, it's a little blue book it's called my, uh, my observations and I'll send it to you. But man, it's this okay. reminds, this reminds me of that conversation so much because he's big on, he doesn't even have, when a coach Wooden was alive, he wouldn't even have to watch the game to know if it was a success or not, because the success to him was determined in the preparation. So, if the, the preparation was as clean and polished as it could be, to him, they were already national champions. It didn't matter what the actual score was or if they won or lost. And to me, it sounds like you have um, a similar mentality in the sense that if you have well-rounded people who you know, know themselves, they live a clean life, you know, they are already successful in your eyes, and, and the winning will really take care of itself
1: well here's here's a mission that goes along with this helping teach I want to master the art of encouragement yes I haven't done that, but sometimes you're you're needed most is when they're going through and probably most of the time through their the adversity the hills and valleys the mountain canyons the sunshine and the shadows and you know they that's when they're they're when they hit those low points is when you you know you can work on being a master encourager right? you know master that art it's an art you know and i haven't mastered yet uh you know so but that's when you can really i think be able to be a message or a messenger to really kind of help along you know so that's it's kind of along with helping teach and build you're going to the thing is they're gonna hit adversity, and we're hitting one now., mm-hmm. Jeez, So how can we master the art of encouragement in this time? You know and the, the, the tough part about it is when I really I try to actually make contact, eye contact, punch him in the arm, you know, or, or handshake, or look him in the eye for every guy every day. That's my goal. Every guy on our team, every coach on our team, And not every day do I do that, but now this is really difficult for me to do it. Now I'm really struggling with this. You know, I can't do that. So how, how can I, how can I master the art of encouragement when I don't, and I can't see them? I can't really actually touch them with my voice or just looking them in the eye or, you know, wrestling around with them or, you know, let them still do judo with me. They'll put on the D and say, coach, let's do some judo, you know, and that kind of thing. So, uh, oof, that's the tough. That's the tough part about it. But then, you know, so okay, okay. So this is what this the hand were dealt. I actually gave them a talk about the hand were dealt. Let me tell you, but I had in our the the card deck that I was playing with with them, or I was showing them, everyone was a face card. They said that's what we got in this group. We got everyone use a face card. You group we're, we're playing with a great deck. So. Now we've got to play these cards the best we can with what we've been dealt. So uh, that's kind of an approach we taking.
0: And that's the reality mm-hmm. we're in right now. I mean, um, yep. I want to. I I have to hit on this. I know we're 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 coming close on time, but I I have to hit on this. I'd be doing the wrestling world a disservice by not doing so. So, coach, you put together a run of uh, six or seven titles in eight years back when you were at. The other place, as I'll I'll, uh, so aptly describe it. Um, You you complete a second repeat Uh, in 2011. You had won your third straight title. Um, And as I mentioned, six or seven in an eight-year period. The night of your national tournament, where you just won the national title, you get a call from the school. What did they say to you, and, and what transpired then?
1: Well, you know, so for some reason, Ryan, after that national tournament, I told our guys, you know, we got off that platform and a lot of parents were there because it was at Nebraska carnage. So a lot of, you know, we had a lot of boosters that, you know, just parents and, you know, just family members. And just, so I said, you know what guys, I said, I want you, we'll get together at the hotel and we'll, we'll talk about it. And you know, that kind of thing. But right now, savor this. I want you to take some time. We're not going to rush out of here. I don't know why I said that, and for some reason I had this—I had no clue this was going to happen. I, I had no idea. So then we get, and I'm just during the meeting at the hotel, packed, mm-hmm. and where I'm just, you know, just you know, bragging about the guy, you know, just what we, you know, the coaches and and just what we, because we really went through some adversity, and you know, let me talk about consistency and. And he's a great bunch of guys, you know. My phone buzzed, you know, I had it on the offering and, And, and uh, so we were just walking out, and I looked at it, and there was a message from our athletic director. And I go, man, I told my wife, she was right there with me, as always. And she said, uh, well, so who's that? I said, it's from our athletic director. I said, He's never, he couldn't be calling me to congratulate me because he's never congratulated us. And you know, we had won the national championship the year before at home sold out, packed house, never even came to it.
0: He wasn't there?
2: No.
1: No. no oh, not God. at all. Not at all. So anyway, uh, this this is something weird about this. I said, there's no way he's calling to congratulate you. So I get up and I listen to the message. And it's in the, I actually when the, outside the lines, did the, you know, outside yeah, the lines, yeah, yeah. he did a thing on it. And uh, I actually played that message. And, uh, I still have it on on one of my cell phones, I'll, I'll never take it off. It just said, you know, eh, you know, I gotta, you know, I got a message. I got a, I want you to call me. I got a tough message. I gotta tell you, but so call him up and he just pretty much tells me, you know, we dropped, dropped wrestling, we dropped football. I mean, that was it. You, you know, I mean, <laughs> I was just what <laughs> I go, what? You know, I mean, I'm just, you know, you're kind of in shock.
0: Did you have any inkling at all? Any rumblings? No inkling at all. Nothing?
1: No. Well, I knew that they were thinking about Division One, but I was assured by the chancellor, who's the president, that we would never do that, who was a personal friend.
0: Was he right? at the after party?
1: And he was at the meet, and it was the first time in all the national championships that his picture wasn't he wasn't in the picture and we couldn't find him when we took the picture up on the awards stand, he you knew know, up it on the platform. Coming.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. He knew it was coming and, uh, I considered him a person He was a college wrestler. He helped us with our kids tournament. And I mean, the guy was, and just, you know, so, and I go, what, and you know, he'd only been the, the athletic there had only been there a year and a half. I mean, he, you know, he was, you know who he is and stuff. You know me. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so... Uh, How many and, hours you know,
0: after the tournament do you think you get this call on a Saturday?
1: I would say it was probably, let's see, Kim, maybe, maybe 11, 12 o'clock,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know? And it hit the papers the next morning. So he wanted to get this call in before he didn't have to see it in the paper. Jeez. <laughs> so uh that's pretty much he said. And I said, you know, I said, I... And I ne- I've never, never met with him, never talked to him since. The only time I've ever heard from him or seen him, any time he saw me later that, he would go the other way. But uh, he never spoke to me after that. That was the only thing that ever, last time I was on uh, this phone call. And, uh, so I, and I said, you know, and you know, I just said, I got to tell you this. I said, you're one of the most egotistical, arrogant, in love with yourself, narcissist, son of a gun. I've ever met. And he said, you're threatening me? I said, no, I just want to, you, you can't treat people like you're treating people. It's just, you know, <laughs> it's going to catch up. So anyway, then I called John Christensen, you know, and he was, I Who think on his way back. That was the president. Okay. The friend, Okay. close friend, 32 years. We'd known each other. And he said, yep, it's true. I said, John, John, you're, what? You're gonna you know, and he just losing the respect of all the people that he been can, you know, the wrestling people and I said, know, is this the best you can do? <laughs> this is the best you can do. And that's the last time I talked to him. You know, I was on the phone, never saw him, never, you know, that kind of thing. So anyway. And to um, fill
0: uh and to fill folks in, you know, what you mentioned that university of nebraska omaha they wanted to go division one to do so required either a certain amount of money or they had to they had to drop programs to make room for i don't know if it was more budget but they wanted their hockey team to be a division one powerhouse is the net net of it and so they cut wrestling which was the most successful program by far the night the nationals i just can't get over it and so what what transpired after that you had to have all kinds of rallies all kinds of Initiatives to try and bring the program back. Was it ever close to being brought back?
1: Well, you know, we thought we've got to go through the regions, Mm -hmm. you know. So, and then here, here's the thing: it couldn't be a money thing because when, when we came there, when I took the job in 1979, our operating budget was Mm 22,000. That year, it was (laughs) 21,000. We raised 100 to 120 thousand dollars a year could operator budget. and I always told every I had 14, you know, I've had 22 athletic directors in my 51 years, right? Wow. 22. You know, so he was the 14th I've had there. The 14 different one. You know, where one leaves, you put an interim in, mm-hmm. you know, that either stays on, or it you know, one comes in, so I had 14 of them. Mm-hmm. He was 14th, you know, and, and so, you know, find a way to survive and prosper, you know, but this guy, I tell you, you have to hand it to him. He, he was good at what he did, you know, as far as just lining up the regions, all of it was lined up before. It was all done. It was a done deal. we found out two, you know, two days before we were going to speak to the regions as a group, the football group, the wrestling group, that it was already a done deal. They were going to vote six to nothing. And the president of the region, of the regions, the president was a friend of mine. I he was one of my first athletic director. One of the 22. Clearly, he was maybe my first or second athletic director at South High School. And he th- and they all lied directly to our face, to my face, and how they did it. And you know what? You know, we're not the first ones that run across it. Probably won't be the last. But <laughs>
0: well, why? But if there, if it wasn't a money thing, why'd they do it? I don't understand. What what was it well, impacting anyone by having a wrestling? You know
1: team? the 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 league they wanted to go into didn't have football or wrestling. You know the Summit League didn't have football okay. then. Well, I don't think it still does. You know you had to find an associate kind of uh, you know league to take you in. And shoot, it wasn't three or four days, and you know they you know there was a league you know the league that North Dakota State, Northern Iowa, mm-hmm. what well, was the Big Twelve? It's actually Big Twelve now, right? Because they've all joined the Big Twelve. So we could have they told us hey you could, you could come in here. But it already, you know, they had already decided they were going to drop it, and it was a done deal. And I don't know if it was a. I have to tell you, I don't know if you get time here, but the first time that that, that 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 this new athletic director, and one of the things I take this from my 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 mom. <laughs> Whenever they did something bad to, and she felt was not good to my brother and I or to her, she just wouldn't use their name anymore. <laughs> So that's why I do this. I love it. I'm going <laughs> to start doing it as well. Their... So uh, I just don't use their name. So she, she was, she just, uh, <laughs> she never really said anything bad about him. Just never, you know, never used their name. So, uh, you know, that's just, you know, how you, how you handle it. But, but, uh, you know, so we, we had, we, we, we tried to have meetings. We tried to say, well, we're going to get together. This is what we're going to say. This is going to, then we found out that what we say it's not going to be, so, so the group said, well, why would you want to, I said, let's, at least we get to say what we want to say. So we, you know, we went down there, we made our presentation to the, to the, the regents, but you know, and uh, like I said, Bob Whitehouse, who was, who is, uh, I shouldn't use his name,
2: oh, <laughs> but <slipped up. laughs> he
1: was the president of, he was the president of the regents, a friend. I consider him a friend, you know, I he was understand. one the president of the regents and he, it was all done. And, uh, you know, so it was a done deal, and so it was done and uh you know it was a human tsunami <laughs> uh, did you allow yourself you know. to
0: slip into any self pity or did the positivity stay there the whole time?
1: Well, the thing is, here's in the next day, actually, yes, the next day I was in the restroom with the guys we met every day, you know, you know what are we gonna you know. What are we going to do? The next day after we were were dropped, we were thrown in the garbage. The next day, somebody picked us out of the garbage. I got a call on my landline in my office. I had over 600 messages on my cell phone. Mm. And people were calling the landline. For some reason, I walked into the office after one of our team meetings. We were just trying to hold it together, have different guys. The news media was there every day. Every day there was a camera in our wrestling room and Mario Morgan did a great job to kind of came with one of our spokesmen there and just, you know, our guys step, you know, just, just keeping it positive. i have to tell you another thing before we, what our guys did. the So anyway, uh, you know, I, I get the phones ringing in my office. I, I run in and I pick it up. I said, this is Jeff Miller from Maryville university. I'm Okay. He said, "Well, we would like to see if you'd want to bring your program, you know, many guys you could down here and start a, a wrestling program, Maryville." I go, "Who is this?" Because this is Jeff Miller from Maryville University. I said, "We're at Maryville University." <laughs> "We're in St. Louis." I said, and I thought three times. I go, "Who is this really? If this is a, this is one of my friends." I said, "This is a cruel cool joke. I'm going to hang up." He says, "No, I'll be up there tomorrow. I'm flying up. No. We really no. want to do this." Yes. The next day, he was in the wrestling room. The next day, he came into the wrestling room, and this was two days after it went down. Maryville University, Jeff Miller, the vice president, a good friend of ours now, uh, and uh, he said, we want you to <laughs> go, okay. So not one time did I have a second thought, and I'll tell you the reasons for that. One, a, a victory for all of our alums was to keep it going. I really felt a responsibility to keep it going, and I also felt like God has called me to do this. Met with Creighton University, we, you know, got calls from other places, but I just felt like Maryville. Once we came down here and, and took a look at it, and, and I got my wife the first recruit. I'd recruit. <laughs> I'd be our first recruit. But one of the things we did, we came back from the national tournament with the trophy. We were locked out of our field house. We couldn't even take our trophy into the field house. And I knew that the, the security guy for I'd known him for thirty years. And I said, Joe, let us in. I, said, I can't, coach. I said, Joe, let us in. So he did lead us in, let us in. You know, we didn't even have a place to put our trophy. They wouldn't even let and then a huge crowd gathered in there and we talked. And then they had had us over and the uh, the athletic director and John Christensen I'll just call him the vice president or the uh, chancellor. They were sitting there, not talking to us, but just sitting and trying to explain everything. The football players, as soon as it started, got up and walked out. That was their sign. Our sign was this. Our wrestlers were all there in their warmups, all looking good. A whole team, not just the ones that wrestled, the whole team. They sat up front. And when they were done, they walked up to the front, all got down on a knee, put their arms around each other and said a prayer. Heavy. It still brings, it still brings tears to my eyes. Wow. And there was coaches and it wasn't, it was, they just will hang together. And I, I was, I mean, and it, when they walked out, there was tears in coaches, other coaches eyes, cause other coaches came to see, you know, what, what all this is about. And you know, so I said, you know what, we gotta carry this on. We have to you know what? When we're, <clears throat> we're we're gonna carry it on. Called to do it. And carry it on at Maryville University. So that's and, what we did. And here we are. Nine years later, here we are.
0: <laughs> Can you believe it's been nine years? I can't. I can't, nine,
1: I can't either. Uh, I can't either. I mean, oh my gosh, it's been nine years. Nine years.
2: Uh, uh,
0: well, my you know, so. my last question for you, coach, is usually we ask how did wrestling change your life, but for you, it's it's very obvious wrestling is your life, and all the principles you shared kind of echo that. But my question is, what gets you excited to keep coaching after all the success you've had?
1: Well, you know what? It's 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 every one of those guys. It's every one of our coaches. It's our alumni. It's our you know, it's, it's, it's our, you know what, and kind of our, our whole family buying it together. Finding, I mean, they, they, they sacrifice, you know, I mean, this you know, our, 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 you know, Rocky and, and Mickey and Luke are, you know, they've sacrificed and my wife has sacrificed our, you know, but that all together, we've kind of, you know, it's kind of a calling we've all had to work together on it. And I, I'm big into team power. Matter of fact, that was part of my Duke's daily dose today was, you know how working together you know it, it we can you know it's a inspire a shared vision <laughs> so we've got to you know uh that's why i mean it's uh, you know wrestling is the vehicle although you you understand this right wrestling is a great vehicle as to teach and build what better vehicle can you find as far as a sport because it brings out the best and the worst in it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. It brings out the, it, it's just, it's demanding. It's, uh, I mean, it It takes just everything you have. And that's why it's such a great vehicle to teach and build with. And, and, and you know, from, uh, it's, and so you, you, uh, you, uh, you can really use that. But then in the sport itself, I mean, I, you know, I love the sport itself. I, you know, I uh, uh, just, all parts of that. I mean you know I coached football, you know, for ten years and I used to play it for seven years after college. So football is but you know the wrestling you got my, I got a lot closer to the guys. Uh you know, there was just that uh, bond, you know, that not that football doesn't have it, but i not it wasn't the same for me as it was in wrestling.
0: It's a better you know? tool for change. It just simply is in my yeah, opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, and, uh, wow. So, yeah. Called so, to do it. Right now I'm called to do it.
0: Well, we need you, especially during these times. And um, I want to thank you for your time, sir. It's been an honor to chat. Andre Morgan has been hyping you up since I met the man. He's like, you got to get Coach Denny. You got to get Coach Denny. I go, let me finish this project. Then I will. And as soon as I got done the next day, I I wanted to get you back on here. And, uh, you know, shout out to Andre Morgan. He's been a huge help uh, to this podcast. And that's a guy who loves – that's a man of service, right there. He he just helps oh, yeah. people, yeah.
1: you know. Yeah, boy's well, son was 14 years we've been together. He was on three national championship teams. National champ, great leader for us.
2: How good and was that? Back in the day.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. He was and really came on for us, you know. He really came on and be. I think really grew to what he, you know, was you know just his leadership and and uh, was a great, uh, you know, and sheesh, you know all the. Gosh, all the great coaches. I had, you know, Ron Higdon and Jason Brills and Zach Dominguez and uh and Zach Staller and uh geez, all the ones we uh, we had up there, you know, for years that just were loyal to us and all the graduate assistants we had up there and ones I got now and Keenan Haggerty and he's he's been tremendous for us and so uh, you know, George Ivanov was we just said, you know, and that's why we keep doing it, right? That's so, right. Like, and you know what? That's why you keep doing what you do. I have to commend you for doing this. I have to commend you for for what you do. So, thanks, thanks for doing it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're making a difference.
0: And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text Russell to five 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 eight eight eight. That's Russell to five 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 eight eight eight. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, WrestlingChangedMyLife.com. Take care, y'all.